Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. What's going on? So Monday, I did an episode about sibling strife, and it struck a chord. This is a really painful topic that so many people deal with in silence. There's a lot of shame around it. The pain that we feel and the joy that we feel, the happiness that family can bring us, and the sorrow, the grief, the stress, the anxiety that family can bring us, it's kind of crazy. If you didn't listen to Monday's episode, don't even bother listening to this one. You need Monday's episode. You just do, okay? Today, however, I'm going to do my best to play Dear Abby. You've asked for my advice regarding your questions and concerns as it pertains to siblings. So I'm going to give you my two cents. I'm not telling you this is what you should do. I'm just telling you this is what I would do. And please keep in mind that I don't have all of the details. I don't know the history. I don't know the intricacies. So based on the limited amount of information that you've given me, I will do my best to offer my two cents. All right, here we go. By the way, all of these questions were submitted to me either on Instagram, according to my stories, or most of these came inside of our pod squad, which is a Facebook group. You're welcome to join us. There's a link in our show notes. It's just a group for people who listen to either The Shalene Show and or Build Your Tribe. First question, what do you do about a sibling who's cut you out of their life, won't have any contact with you, and you don't know why? This is a tough one. You might think you know why, and you could be completely wrong, or you could have no idea why this person cut you off. Here's the question you have to start with. You have to ask yourself, is it worth having them in your life? Do you miss them? Do you want them in your life? Do you want to stay connected? Because if you do, it may require you apologizing for something that you didn't mean to do, for something that you don't feel that you did, for something that you had no part of. It may require you accepting another person's experience and feelings, even if you don't agree with them. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want them in your life? You're sitting in a position where you don't hold the cards. They hold all the cards. They've already said, listen, it's not worth it to me. I'm just going to cut you out of my life. So this is a very precarious place to be. The bigger person has to be the one to say, I'm willing to swallow my pride, to be wrong, to take responsibility for something I didn't do maybe, to apologize for something that didn't happen or maybe it did and I have a different interpretation of things. You have to be the person who decides to put bygones aside, put your ego aside because you desire a relationship or some type of contact. I wouldn't expect that you're ever going to be really close again. I just doubt that that's going to happen. Typically, in these situations, there's pain or a past trauma. Perhaps there's abuse, or it might just be an overly sensitive sibling who has a completely different perspective and memory of a particular scenario that you're like, what? I don't even see it. I don't even understand. But if you go about it in trying to to change their mind or convince them that what happened didn't happen or that it didn't happen that way. If you discount their feelings in any way, shape, or form, they're out. They're gone. They've already made a decision that it's not worth it to them. They just want to walk away from it. If you really want to have a relationship with this person, it may require you reaching out and starting by saying, 
whatever I've done, I want to make amends. I want to start over. I want to apologize. I want to make this right. I want us to be in contact with each other. And if that means you sharing with me all the ways that I hurt you and how you need this relationship to change for us to move forward, I'm willing to do that. But if you want a relationship with this person who's already shut you out, you are going to have to set all of your pride aside and decide. (laughs) This is a lot of rhyming. You just have to decide for yourself that what's most important is to have this person in your life. Because if you're going to try to be right about things, it's not going to happen. Okay, Millie asks or says, I did a lot to cultivate a brotherly relationship between my two sons when they were young. They're complete opposites, as most siblings are. But now that they're adults, they don't personally put forth any effort, any advice. She does say that they don't live in the same state. This is a tough one. I mean, I'm, I'm a parent, and I know how happy it makes me when I see my kids getting along and laughing together and supporting each other. But I also have done enough research to know that's important to me. They're my children. They share DNA, but they don't necessarily have a personal responsibility to each other. And I can't place my expectations on them. I can hope that they're going to get along, but I also have to anticipate that different times in their lives, they are going to come together and then they're going to drift apart and they're going to come together and there may be a rift. One of them may get married to someone who the other one doesn't like. They might not have the same political religious, financial, spiritual, ethical views on life. They might just not like each other or have that much in common, in which case you can certainly engage each one of them separately in a conversation and be honest with them and say, I'd love to see you guys have a relationship, but I know that's your decision and it's your life. But it would really make me happy if you were cordial with each other and if from time to time you just tried. But I'm telling you, if you put pressure on your kids to have relationships with people who they just they don't have anything in common with, you're doing that for you and you're placing an, an incredible amount of pressure and stress and strain on them. And if it doesn't make their lives better, do you really want it for them? Just because it makes your life better? Because it makes you feel better? You know, I mean, I'm saying that and I'm also talking to myself because We just all have to anticipate that there may come a day when our kids aren't that close. And as much as we would love for that to be the case, like it is in the movies, you know, if it doesn't make their lives better to be close, do I want that for them? Probably not. I want my kids to just be happy and to be stress-free and to hang out and spend time with the people who make them feel good. And if there ever comes a time when that's not their sibling, I have to be okay with that. And I can't make them feel guilty about it. So I know this is hard, but my recommendation is to have a conversation with each one of them that doesn't place additional guilt on them and explains to them that, you know, your expectations or your desires, but also to let them know this is their life to live. And we can create all kinds of problems when we as parents try to intervene in our adult children's relationships. Okay, along those same lines, Sabrina asks, what do you do if your adult children are estranged? In other words, they're not talking to each other. How would you handle family gatherings? This is a tough one. Okay, so let's assume that you have, this is just my opinion. Let's just assume that you have two friends who hate each other, right? You know that they 
It's super awkward when they see each other. They love you, but they've had a complete falling out. And this has happened to all of us, I'm sure, in our friendships. I don't know about you, but when that happens, I am very careful not to invite those same people to the same events because I want both of them to feel my love and for them to feel comfortable, and I don't need them to like each other. Do I wish they liked each other? Sure. Now, there's a couple ways you can handle this. You can handle it by being very careful to schedule things so that the siblings don't have to see each other. Or what you can do is acknowledge that it's their life and they've had a falling out and you love both of them equally, but you also want them to be comfortable. So I will be inviting your sister. I will be inviting your sibling. And I want you to know that. That's one option. And then it's up to them to figure out how to deal with it. Or you can kind of handle it like, a divorced parent where you say, here's what we're going to do. I want to see my kids on holidays, but I also want you guys to be comfortable and happy. And and I don't want there to create more drama between the two of you. And for whatever reason, you're not getting along right now. I hope that someday you'll patch things up. But in the meantime, maybe we alternate holidays. Is this totally inconvenient? Absolutely. Is it going to solve their conflict? No. Are there still going to be conflicts that arise? Probably. Like one of the siblings is going to say, well, I'm not available this year for Easter. So can I swap Easter with Christmas? Like, it's still going to be a hassle. All that you can do is do your best to make it as comfortable as possible and to not force them coming together and to recognize, just think of them as two of your friends who don't like each other, but they both like you. Think of it that way. You're not going to be able to match make these two again. That's something they're going to have to do on their own. So I would respect the fact that they aren't getting along. I would respect the fact that they each have boundaries or maybe one is established boundaries. I would not get involved. I would not allow them to talk about the other person to you. I would say that is completely off limits. I would personally try to schedule things so that, all right, we're doing this time with this sibling and this holiday or this gathering with this family member and Y'all need to be adults about this and know that this is really hard on me and I'm going to do my absolute best. I am not going to pick sides and I need the two of you or the three of you or however many of you to be adults. Okay, Karen says, what if you've had an estrangement because your siblings don't support your choices? She says specifically, I have a child who's an addict and they continue to enable my child while I'm trying to get help for my child. What is my role? I honestly haven't spoken to any of them in almost two years. And yes, I have a therapist. Okay, Karen, so first of all, love you of a therapist. I'd be curious what your therapist's advice is, and I would defer to your therapist. Your therapist knows way more about your situation than I do. So just shooting from the hip here, based on what you've told me, this is my personal opinion. Your kid comes first. Your kid's life comes first. And here's what I would do. I would reach out to my family members, and I would say, I miss you and I love you, and I long to for us to be connected in some way, but please know, and this is what I've told my parents before, I learned from you to prioritize my kids. There was a time when my mom and dad were, I don't know, they kind of gave me some grief, I guess you could say. You know Marge and Bill. We love Marge and Bill. But I, I felt like I was getting a lot of pressure from them to spend more time with them as a daughter, you know, like just time with my mom and dad. And it was when my kids were crazy busy. Like every single night there was sports and homework and projects. And and I just said to them, I love you. And I recognize that you're disappointed that I can't spend as much time with you. 
but I'm standing firm in my decision and I feel good about my decision because you role modeled this to me. You taught me to put my kids first and that's what I'm doing. And you come second and I love you and I'm sorry if that hurts, but you taught me this and there is going to come a time when I will be able to spend more time with you. But right now I've got this one opportunity to get it right for my kids. And I think you could say the same thing. I think you could say, I hope that you respect the fact that I need to do my what I believe is my very best for my child to keep them alive. And it might be the right decision. It might be the wrong decision, but I believe it's the best decision. And I hope that you can respect that. And I hope that there will come a time where we can come together again. I hope that I can have your prayers and support from afar, but please know I'm always thinking about you and I miss you. You could do that, or you could just be resolute in your decision to do what is best for your child. And you don't need to make any apologies for that. I mean, what you're doing is because you want to save your kid. It's not because you want to be right. It's not because you don't love them or you don't want their help. You want to save your kid. And no one understands what it's like to have a child who's an addict and the life-saving decisions that you have to make that are so painful, that are so excruciating. Nobody could possibly understand that unless they were in your shoes. Karen, I am so sorry you're going through this, and I'm sure you know this better than most. You are not alone. There are so many people listening right now who have children who are addicted and they're dealing with that. There's so many people listening right now who don't know that they have a child or a family member who is addicted. Addiction is at an epidemic level. Addiction afflicts the entire family, and that includes extended family. All right, here's one that many of you asked. So I'm, I'm not even going to, I'll read off a couple of the names. Like Patricia asked this, Barry asked this, quite a few people asked this question, how to deal with the strife and conflict that arises when it comes to caring for your aging parents, whether that is financial or physical, right? So what happens when our parents age? Typically, one of the siblings steps up and becomes the physical caregiver or the person who kind of just steps in and takes charge, takes over, whether that's financial, physically, uh, maybe they move closer, maybe they're the ones that are taking them to and from their appointments. And we've dealt with this. So I'm going to speak only from my firsthand knowledge, and I encourage you to pick up the book entitled The Fragile Years. That's going to give you some great insight. It's really unlike any other book that I've found, and I've read almost all of them related to caring for your elderly parents, but The Fragile Years is is great because it actually gives you strategies and strategies for coping with family members. The author, Amy Cameron O'Rourke, I will list her website here in our show notes, but she has a network of individuals who specifically can coach families through this very, very challenging process. Okay. She's the expert. I only have my personal experience and my personal observations. So here's what I would say. And I'm not just talking about my personal experience with my father-in-law. I'm talking about having witnessed this with my my mother, with my uncles, with my father and, and his parents and siblings. So yeah, it's personal, but here's what I've witnessed and observed. It's not going to be equal. You know, when our parents parented us, they tried to keep it as equal as possible, right? They probably counted how many Christmas presents were under the tree and tried to keep things equal. We're not perfect, but most of us try to keep things pretty fair so our kids don't feel slighted, so they feel like the love is equal. But it's very different when it comes to 
taking care of our parents. It will never, do you hear me? Never be equal. So drop it. You're hanging your hat on a pipe dream that will never, ever happen. Your very wealthy brother is not going to step up and say, you know what, I should probably pay more for mom's care. Your sister who doesn't have a job and lives in the same city on the same street as your father and is home watching TV all day, she's not suddenly going to come to her senses and say, you know what, I could probably go over there and help dad out because you're working full time and have to drive 45 minutes every time you're coming to pick dad up. It's just not going to happen. It is not going to happen. I know it's not fair. I know that we want to judge them and we want to the other siblings in our family, we want to talk to everybody else and we want to tell people how unfair this is. But the fact of the matter is, we are all so different. Our experiences with our parents were so different. How and what we see as a priority and what matters in our lives and and how we want to structure our day and how we want to live our lives and the decisions that we've made about what our life should look like, it's so different. And it's not fair for us to dictate to a sibling what their role should be. We don't know what their true feelings are about our parents. We don't know their experiences. And you can say, mom and dad did absolutely everything for you. And I can't believe now you're abandoning them. That's your decision. That's your observation. And that's your experience. It's not theirs. It's their life to live. Our parents had us, this is my personal opinion, our parents had us to live our best life. And even if they expected you to take care of them in their later years, you are not obligated to do so. Now, some people feel an innate sense of responsibility to do so. They can't imagine not taking care of a parent or the parents in the way that they would want to be cared for. But we just can't expect other people to see things the way we see things. We can't expect people to have the same generosity, the same time, the same emotional ability. We don't know what people can handle except by looking at how they step up. And if people don't step up, it simply means they don't have the tools to be able to do that. They weren't cut from the same cloth. You're different. So can you be angry and resentful and and constantly have conversations and ask them to step up or ask them to contribute financially or whatever it is that you feel your siblings need to do. You can continue to hope and pray and hound them to do so, but more often than not, it's going to drive a wedge, a, a bigger wedge between you as siblings. Now, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't try to have a conversation, but I'll tell you what won't work. What won't work is if you try to make it sound like I'm doing everything and you're doing nothing. That won't work. It won't work if you try to make it like, well, you make more money, so therefore you should contribute more. That won't work. Anytime you point fingers, it just won't work. You can suggest ways that they might be able to help and you can ask if it's a possibility, but also let them know. And if you can't, listen, I still love you. Maybe there's another way that does work for you. And and I respect the fact that emotionally, financially, whatever, you've got different priorities, feelings, etc. But if it's at all possible, if you think there's something you can do, could you let me know? But just know this, lower your expectations. Because whatever they tell you they can do or they want to do or they intend to do, they probably won't. And whatever they do, it won't be enough. You know it won't be enough. When you are a caregiver, anything anyone else does It's never enough because it's so 
overwhelming and it stirs up so many emotions and unmet needs from our childhood. It is a difficult time. It is a hard time. And we make it harder by expecting our siblings to have the same feelings around all of this that we do. It's so complicated. And many families, sadly, after the parents are gone, oftentimes the siblings' relationship becomes even further estranged because you have even less in common. You know, as we get older and older, and you know, you're starting into your 50s and your 60s, sometimes siblings come back together, but sometimes they move away into other areas of the country where they're retiring and, and now there's the distance of proximity. You're kids are grown. There's no more bringing the cousins back together. Your parents are gone. So there's fewer and fewer opportunities to come together. And I just want you to know it's normal. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's very, very normal. And we have glamorized and romanticized growing old together with our siblings as best friends. But the fact of the matter is most people don't go to therapy, which means most people have these harbored resentments. And for many siblings, their relationship becomes a game of keeping score and reminding each other of your past grievances, you know, really keeping score. And we never forget that time that they did this and this and this. And, and for whatever reason, siblings rarely ever apologize to each other. So you're talking about a very painful, dysfunctional relationship where if both parties don't become the bigger person and go to therapy, oftentimes together. I mean, how can we expect these relationships to miraculously improve and grow and heal? They just don't. So if people aren't willing to put in the work, you know, we just either have to accept them as they are and love them from afar or, and, and also recognize it, we're probably not going to be that close if siblings aren't willing to apologize, to do the work, to improve, to grow and to, you know, set their past pains, traumas, and discretions aside and move forward. And that's hard. It creates a sense of grief. It's that ambiguous loss where this person is, is still there, they're still alive, but we, we long for the relationship that we wish we had. Okay, so new habit alert. Now when I'm recording my podcast, that's what I'm using as my trigger to remind me to have my greens. So what I'm drinking right now contains ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, coconut water, wheatgrass, red beet, matcha green tea, turmeric, lemon, and prebiotic powder. There's no mess. There's no blending. There's no food processing. It's a powdered form, 100% organic. I put one scoop of Organifi greens powder into a big glass of sparkling ice. I stir it up. It tastes so refreshing. I'm not going to lie. I had a packet of stevia because I like it super sweet. It's delicious. It's actually very refreshing. The superfoods that they pack into this drink are specifically designed to help you reduce your cortisol levels. Now, if you're stressed, you can improve your cortisol levels by having a green juice every day. The Organifi Greens drink is its very tasty. There is an acquired taste to it. It does have a little bit of a greens taste, a little bit of a minty taste. But if you don't love Organifi Greens, try another one of Organifi's products. I drink Organifi Pure mixed with Organifi Immunity every morning in my water bottle. That's for my immune system and my brain health. And I'm now having a greens drink in the afternoon. I want you to try the amazing line of Organifi products. They're all 100% organic. They're my favorites. 
They're convenient. They're delicious. So check it out. You get 20% off when you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. It's Organifi with an I dot com forward slash Shaleen for 20% off. Check out their line of products. And if you know that you could use more greens and you want a tasty, delicious alternative to pulling out the blender, try the Organifi greens juice. That's Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen. Next question, how do you deal with it when the oldest always got the tough love, that was me, and my younger sibling is super spoiled and my parents still do everything for them? Well, first of all, I would drop the anger, guilt, and resentment because your younger sibling actually got the shorter end of the stick. I know you feel like you did, but you did not. Your younger sibling was sent the message that they were not capable, that they couldn't do for themselves. And while it feels to you like they're spoiled, from their perspective, they probably feel like no one thinks that they're smart enough, good enough, capable enough, which places them at a real disadvantage. The younger siblings often view the older sibling as being the favored child. They're the child that usually got more attention The oldest child had mom and dad's undivided attention until the next child came along. The oldest child is often viewed as the one who can do no wrong, who's smarter, who's better, who is enough. And the youngest child is always trying to measure up. So it just doesn't serve us whatsoever to be jealous or to harbor resentments towards our siblings for things that our parents did. Even in the healthiest of families, we're assigned labels. Just being the oldest, the middle child, the youngest child, the baby, those are societal labels. Like we have so many labels and we often develop behaviors, attitudes, preconceived expectations based on other people's labels. So this isn't all just about our parents. We all have these labels and they're just not fair, but it is what it is. So you have to ask yourself, what is the point of being angry or resentful or harboring jealousy towards something that it's done, it's over. You can't change it. You can't change the way your siblings were parented. You can't change who your siblings are. You're not going to change who they are. It's such a strange dynamic that siblings spend so much of their relationship focused on keeping track of past resentments, past hurts, past discretions, and trying to change our siblings so that they're more like us. We don't say that. We say things like, I can't believe he's fill in the blank. I can't believe that she treats mom like fill in the blank. I can't believe they do fill in the blank. But really what we're saying is, I can't believe that they're not more like me. Well, they're not supposed to be. You know, we either accept them or we try to change them and know that our relationship is going to suffer and we are never, ever, we are never going to be happy or fulfilled because you can't change other people. You either accept them Or you decide that they are unhealthy for you and you limit the amount of interaction, time, attention, and energy you spend with them. Okay, this person asks, and I don't know if this is a parent or a sibling, but this person says, what do you do if you are the person who everyone comes to to dump on about the other siblings and family members? This is a simple, simple one-time fix. Because right now you are a big part of the problem. You're, You're the hub. You're the receptacle. All you would have to say is, Listen, I'm really not at all comfortable talking about this person. I love them and I love you, but I I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear this. I want you to go directly to that person. Thank you for calling. I love you. And you, you probably only have to do that once. And then you send the message, I am not going to be the hub 
The reason why we often do this, we go to another family member, is because a lot of these things we don't talk to our friends about. There's shame and guilt and just this weird kind of secrecy about family discord. So what we'll do is to make sure like, okay, am am I the crazy person? I'm not the crazy one, right? Like they are. So what we try to then do is recruit other family members to validate our position, which really undermines the strength of the entire family. You don't need anyone else's validation. Your experience, your belief, and your truths are your truth. You don't need everybody else in the family to side with you or to buy into your position. Next question, how do you handle a sibling who is constantly one-upping, bragging, and acting with such outrageous arrogance? Well, that's obviously someone who lacks confidence. They're trying to establish how important they are, which means that they don't feel important. They don't feel significant in the family dynamic. So you, you have a couple of different ways you can handle this. You can engage and you can reach out to them and pump them up before they feel the need to pump themselves up because that is why they're doing it. For whatever reason, this sibling never felt like they got enough attention. So now they're they're going to drum up their own parade every time they're with you. So that's one option. The other option is to just ignore it, like make it a game. You know, say to yourself in your head or to your significant other, your spouse, like, I wonder how many times my brother's going to tell us that he, he just bought a new car or how much money he's making. You know, make a joke about it understand that it's a major insecurity and that's where it comes from. So there's no reason to be angry about it. But if it's super duper annoying, then just don't spend as much time with him. Or when he does brag and acts arrogant, just say, can we change the subject? Let's talk about something else. I mean, but ultimately, if you don't have to spend a lot of time with him and he drives you crazy, he's not that likable of a guy, then limit the amount of time you spend with him. But also don't forget, people do change. I mean, think about how you were in your 20s versus your 30s versus your 40s versus your 50s. I don't know how old you are, but I mean, there's been times in my life where I was, well, I guess I'm still a know-it-all, aren't I? I mean, look at me. I'm doing this episode where I'm telling people how to deal with their siblings. Yeah, I'm a total know-it-all. Yeah, no, never mind. People don't change. I'm just kidding. Actually, people do change. So think about your siblings. I know my siblings have changed a ton, and I'm so glad that I didn't hold against them the way they were in their teenage years or in their 20s or in their 30s, like they're awesome adults and people do change. So if it's just a personality quirk, give them a chance. It might get better and it might not. Next question, how do I tell my sister that she hurts my feelings, that I am the one who constantly has to put forth the effort? I do the texting, I do the calling, I make all the plans and I'm the one who maintains a relationship. Well, my dear, it's your choice. You can certainly have a careful conversation with your sister about this, but more often than not, that's just her personality and it's your personality. I bet you're that same way with your friendships. I mean, I am. I'm the person who kind of makes certain that all of my friends get together and I'm the one that keeps us on the group thread and I'm the one that plans the vacations, etc. And I used to kind of be resentful about that, but then I realized mm, I'm kind of a control freak anyway, so I prefer to be the person making the plans So I should stop complaining about it. And also, why should I be resentful for the fact that God kind of gave me this, the side of me, this gift, and not everyone has that. And I bet your sister does other things that you don't do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we always look at ourselves from a very biased lens. Like, look at all the things I'm doing. But we, we miss 
or forget the way that our siblings do contribute. And it might not be the way that we would contribute, but we're not the same. Remember, this isn't the type of friendship where you've met someone, you have a lot in common, and you decide to invest time and effort into developing a friendship. This is, again, as I said on Monday, it's an accidental bond. It's a bond because you were born into the same family, but siblings, more often than not, are complete opposites who share the experience of your childhood and you share your DNA, but even the experience of your childhood while you were in the same house, perhaps, maybe you weren't, maybe you were, together, your experiences were completely different. The way you were parented was completely different. The way you remember things happening was different. Like everything is different. So again, go back and listen to Monday's episode to understand how very rare and challenging it is to make sibling relationships look like lasting friendships. So let me just be clear, and I hope this gives you like a deep sigh, like a breath of fresh air that you understand and kind of take that pressure off yourself that sibling relationships, we have romanticized them. We think that they're supposed to look like these lifelong deep friendships, but they have the odds stacked against them. It is so challenging to make a sibling relationship look like a lifelong deep friendship. For whatever reason, it is one of the most petty, self-centered, triggering relationships that you'll ever have. If you want to have a deep friendship or a connected relationship with a sibling, one or both of you has to decide to be the much bigger person and not try to change and not keep score and not you know, have hurt feelings because they aren't able to be who you are because you want to stay connected. But if you're expecting it to maintain this nice, tight closeness at an equal rate throughout the years, if you're expecting it to be without strife, without conflict, to be like you're seeing in the Hallmark movies, you're just, unfortunately, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. Lower your expectations. Next question. How do I handle it that my sibling never reaches out and congratulates me on anything or celebrates any of my life events? Okay, well... It's hard to say why that's happening, but who cares? Why do you need your sibling's validation? You just don't. And if you've never received it, you're probably not going to. So lower your expectations. And remember, you don't need validation from a sibling. You don't need validation from strangers. You don't need validation from your parents. You need validation from yourself and you need validation from God. And that's it. And I know you long for it for whatever reason, but I would suggest that you try working with a therapist because you're harboring resentment towards your sibling that they're not celebrating you in a way that they aren't obligated to do so. Nothing that says our siblings are supposed to celebrate or be excited for our wins. It'd be nice, but more often than not, we place these unmet needs, these needs that were not met by our parents, we place them on our siblings which is really not fair, and it's going to leave you sadly unfulfilled and disappointed. What do I do about my adult sibling who relies on my parents financially when she is in a bind instead of building her own emergency fund? Don't worry about it. It's their money. Who cares? Our parents' money is their money. We're not entitled to it. So, and I think there's a lot of sibling conflict around estates and around money. And I think if we all just said to ourselves, I have enough 
and I am capable on my own. My parents' money is their money. And if one of my siblings wants to take it all, so be it. You're probably thinking, oh, yeah, that's real easy to for you to say, Shaleen, because you're financially in a place where you don't need to worry about your parents' income or estate. But I never have. And partly because I saw so many extended family members expect to receive a certain settlement or a certain part of an estate, and they felt entitled to it. And they were living their lives as if that was owed to them. And then also taking care of their parents because they anticipated getting a certain part of an estate. I just don't get it. Again, this is, you know, y'all, this is my own two cents. Make your own money. Let your parents do whatever the hell they want with their money. If they want to give it all to their dog, that's their decision. If they want to give all the money to the the youngest child who they didn't think was capable, then you know, then that's what they're doing. But you are given, God gives you exactly what you need, and you are capable of taking care of yourself. So if your parents have decided to make life easier on a sibling, yeah, that can be frustrating and maybe even hurtful. But what can you do about it? Really, what choice do you have? It's their money and it's their decision. So you can make a decision to be hurt by it and to feel estranged from them and to make a decision that you're not going to talk to them or you're going to hold it against your younger sibling or whoever it is that you feel is taking advantage of or being taken care of. But at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, what do I want? Do I, do I want a relationship or do I want to be taken care of financially? What's more important to me, the relationship or the money? I know that's hard, but that's how I see it. Next question, what do I do about a super judgy sibling who doesn't agree with my choices? Oh, well, (laughs) you know, they're not paying your bills. You don't need their validation. You don't need their approval. So you handle it like you would a friend who doesn't approve of your choices and decisions. You probably distance yourself from them. You probably don't spend a lot of time with them. It's probably a good idea that you let them know that you love them. And you respect the fact that they don't accept your choices and decisions, but you hope that they will respect that they are yours to make and that it's your life. And can we agree to disagree? Can we agree not to talk about this unless I ask your opinion? And if we can't, and if that's too upsetting, if you need to give me your feedback or make comments or give me advice where I haven't asked for it, like if you're on the phone with them, you just simply say to them, hey, listen, sis, I love you, but this is a subject we're not going to talk about. So let's make a time to chat next week. And if you do that enough times, they're going to get the picture that they can't influence who you are. And speaking as an older sister, older sisters or older siblings, we like to tell our younger siblings how to live their lives. We do. And it has taken me many years to realize it's none of my freaking business. They're going to live their lives as much as I wanted my sister to move to California and to live her life in the, you know, the way that I designed for her. It's none of my business, and I have to accept that as the older sister when we were living together as as young girls, I got to boss her around, but I don't get to boss her around now. I don't get to boss my brother around now. So I, I really have had to learn to keep my mouth shut and to not give advice and give my opinions, but it was a habit. you know. So our older siblings, speaking now as an older sibling, we just want to protect our younger siblings, and the best way we know to do that is by telling them exactly how to live their lives <laughs> because it worked for us when we were all under the same roof. But then once we're adults, for whatever reason, we forget that, okay, well, now we're adults and we're trying to hang on to those same roles in our relationship, and we shouldn't. So hopefully, 
Hopefully she will evolve, but if she doesn't, it's very important for you to establish those boundaries. Don't forget, again, these are accidental relationships, right? So we have to decide how important the relationship is, but we also have to know that ultimately, unlike times in the past where we we needed our extended family to survive, we had to, you know, farm together, live together, pool our resources, family decisions were made together. This is 2022. I hate to say this because it sounds so crass, but we really don't need our extended family. So if they create more pain, more strife, more anxiety, more upheaval, you know, upset stomachs, if they create all of this controversy and distress in your life, why are we trying to force it? Either lower your expectations, stop trying to change people, accept who they are, be polite, be cordial, check in, but have boundaries. And if that doesn't work, if all of those things do not work, you are entitled to protect yourself. You are entitled to your mental well-being. You are entitled to peace. You are entitled to place your own nuclear family first without guilt, without shame, And you are also entitled to grieve what you wish you had. It's okay. Listen, don't forget, friends are the family that we choose. Family isn't just those people who we share DNA with. Sometimes the closest family members you will ever have are those people who you decide You want them to be a sister. You decide, I want them to be a brother. You decide that they're your family. And remember, you don't need a lot of siblings, right? It might just be one very special friend that fulfills that sister role for you that you look to as a brother. And if you have that, you're really, really fortunate. And if you don't, don't rule it out. The best relationships are challenging. They're hard. They go through ups and downs. The friendships where I consider those friends sisters, we've had strife, we've had our fallouts, we've had our disagreements, but we don't hold it against each other. And we try to grow as humans. And I have more brothers and sisters than just my blood brother and sister, but not a lot of them, right? These relationships are very rare and they take people who are willing to grow and say, I'm sorry, I want to do better. Can we move forward and are willing to go through tough times and without abandoning each other? And also to know that not everyone is meant to be a sister. Not everyone is meant to be in your life forever. And that's okay because you don't have enough energy to maintain relationships with every single person you've ever met. Take care of you. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your well-being. You've got one life to live. I want it to be a happy one. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to make sure you are subscribed and following along. The Shalene Show is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and most every podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell us specifically what you enjoyed. We'd love to know. The Shalene Show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
for Tuesdays and Thursdays, be sure to follow and subscribe to Shaleen's other podcast, Build Your Tribe, which she co-hosts with her son, Brock Johnson. It's all about business, social media, and marketing, and devoted to helping you make more money and live more life. Links to anything referenced in today's episode, as well as show sponsors and other podcasts, can be found below in our show notes. Oh, 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 oh